0: It's a joy to have prophet ed let's just pray over him as he's going to minister would you extend your hand father thank you that uh, we are blessed to have brother ed trout prophet ed trout in the house we thank you for the anointing of the lord upon his life and we are receptive to what you will say through your servant in jesus name amen would you give a hand of welcome please Hello family here in Pretoria. I'm so I'm really thrilled to be here. It is like coming home for me and I'm glad to be here. I can't tell you in words enough how important you are to the Lord. You are the apple each one of you of his eye. It is strange that God is so vastly capable. He's powerful beyond our understanding. He's omnipresent. At this moment, he is right there where your mother is giving birth to you. He's also at the same time where you're breathing your last. He's omnipresent. He's very involved in your life. He numbers the hair on your head. You feel so many times alone and abandoned, but he's right there listening to your every cry. You don't even have to be a Christian even to call upon him And he will answer. There is no one like him. He loves you very intensely. His love is not related to or associated with your circumstances. You should be unable to measure, should not measure, your or God's consistency or his love by your circumstances. The devil will lie to you through that. God is exactly what he says he is. He does what he does. He cares about you. All you have to do is call and he will answer. He'll always do for you because He loves you so very much. He made billions of angelic beings to serve Him and they have these most supernatural beings. They can move through space and time and take on different shapes and forms. But when He made man, he, for the first time, He made man in His image. He took His own DNA and reproduced Himself. And unlike any angelic being, you are like God and you live in a body. You are not that body you see in the mirror. That's only a house. You are made in God's image and you are like Him. And so important that He would die for you to redeem you, to make sure nothing could hinder you being with Him. Not one single angel, as powerful and as beautiful as some of them are, were worth saving. Not one. Not one. But you... Were to die for. So never let the devil lie to you again that you feel abandoned, unloved, unwanted. God's not real. He's very, very real. God's not a Muslim. He's not a Buddhist. He's a Christian. <laughs> if you'll turn your Bibles this morning to the book of John chapter 4, I'd like to read a passage if you don't mind. John is... A, interesting man, besides being the pastor of the church. John was the only disciple, John was the only disciple that had, did not die as a martyr. He lived well into his 90s, he was only 18 when he met Jesus, a young man with a brother from Bethsaida. And they lived in Capernaum, but he came from Bethsaida, he was very young and he, he grabbed and took up on the love of Jesus so much that he believed everything Jesus said and believed that he was very special and loved by God so much that he sat always next to Jesus and talks in John John the book of John five times of how the one that he's the one that Jesus loved that he was special you really believe what Jesus said. We struggle to accept God's love because love has seemingly disappointed us so many times that we rather not take the risk of hoping and believing that love in case, in, in case something disappoints us. Take the chance and believe His love. Trust in His love. Don't trust any person. Don't trust your husband. Don't trust your wife. Don't trust your best friend. Trust God. You laugh, but there's not one scripture to say trust anyone. I remember years ago when I was a pastor, a couple sat in front of me and his wife, this woman, his wife said to me, he cheated on me, how can I ever trust him again? And I said to her, those years, you shouldn't have trusted him in the first place. You <laughs> should trust God. You can't police your husband, you can't police anybody, but God can, and he will, if you trust him. Put your trust in him, he will not fail. And love people, trust God. Can you say amen to that? Thank you. You guys are totally cool. John, unlike Matthew and Luke and Mark, of course, both Matthew and Luke got a lot of the information from the book of Mark, the first book that was out there for the gospel to be preached or taught from and used in churches, and 242 verses of book of Mark was put into the book of Matthew as with 174, I think it was, that went into the book of Luke, but none of it went into the book of John. He wrote that book late in his life. It's very focused on the message more than the actual historical events. And so, but he is relaying to us in John 4 a very interesting scenario of events, and I'm going to quickly relay them because I don't read the whole thing to you. Jesus was in the area of Jerusalem preaching and ministering when he was baptizing people too. And the disciples in John chapter 4 verse 1 tell him that people are saying we baptize more than John the Baptist. The Bible says when Jesus hears this, he withdrew and said let's go back to Galilee. He was not looking to promote a ministry, he was looking to do what God the Father had sent him to do. And on their journey back to the northern district of the Galilean area, he had to pass through an area called Samaria, which were a mixed breed, Samaritans of Assyrians and of Jews. And so they were most disliked by the Jews, they weren't accepted by them, nor by the Assyrians, they were kind of a rejected group. And he stopped at a town called Sikar, where Jacob had had a well many years ago and fed his flocks from, and he sat there next to the well at noon, a hot part of the day, and his disciples had gone into town to buy food, and a little lady came there to draw water. Most unusual to come in the middle of the day to draw water, normally first thing in the morning or late in the afternoon, which tells me she was avoiding people. She meets Jesus, and he asks for a drink of water, which is not unreasonable. She's got the pitcher, and she's going to lower that thing down there, just give me a little drink. And she spits out what's inside of her. If you will listen, when people talk, they'll tell you their whole life in the first sentence. If you'll pay attention. If you'll listen. In America, where I come from, <laughs> if people ask you how you are. And if I say, I'm not feeling so good today. Oh, that's nice. How can I help you? That's, that, that's how much they listen. They don't really pay attention. It's just courtesy. And, uh, and so you, as, when you, as a Christian, as a messenger and a, a tool of God's kingdom, pay attention to people because they are very important to the Lord. And listen to what comes out of their hearts. She said to Jesus, you a Jew, speak to me as a Samaritan woman, <laughs> you Jews don't associate with us. She was full of bitterness and angry. At that moment, Jesus, of course, knew that she was married five times and living with a man. That's quite a mess, have to be married five times. I guess you stop blaming uh, the men. And now she's so distraught and so disillusioned that she's not, even, she's not even wanting to get married again. She's just living with a guy, knowing that's wrong because she's so despondent. We get in our lives sometimes so down, discouraged, hopeless. We lose the hope, and hope deferred makes the soul sick. And now, if you're sitting here today, that's not for you. You're meant to be full of hope, and, and God has a great plan for you. He has brought you hope in the future. All you have to do is follow him. That's all you've got to do. It's not complicated not rocket science. Just follow God. You will never be disappointed. Now, this woman, she spits out all her anger, and Jesus could have said to her, girl, you are one messed up chick. (laughs) Five husbands, huh? He could have displayed his gift to have revelation and to know the words of knowledge, but instead, the nature of Jesus reaching out to win her heart says, if you knew the gift of God, and who is it that speaks to you? You would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. And so the conversation moves on, and they interact a while, she doesn't get it. She's not used to men talking to her spiritual. Men have always pursued her for her looks because she's married five times, and it was a disaster each time. And so she's very hurt and angry. And, she's, she's, and so he politely, once she's asked, give me this living water, but he's waiting for that. And he says, go call your husband, which is courtesy, because he's not with a woman and she's not with a man. So it was courteous to do that. And she said, I'm not married. And then he finally revealed that he knew about her five husbands and the uh, one she's living with. Once he said that to her, her tone changes. And she says, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. And then she begins to tackle him once again aggressively about the place of worship. You Jews say we ought to worship God in Jerusalem, but we were taught here by our father to worship here on this where our father Jacob gave us this well. And so Jesus answers her, and this is where I'm picking up the story. If you'll read with me in the book of John, I read from the only translation that Jesus used, the NIV. <laughs> the new interesting version. <laughs> Um, let's get the right verse. Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time in verse 21, chapter 4, is coming when you will worship the Father neither on the mountain nor in Jerusalem. This is what struck my heart. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We Jews worship what we do know for salvations from the Jews. And I thought, how do you worship something you don't know? Why would you say something like that? They've been following God for so long, following all the same ways of the Jews. Why do the Jews, how can salvation come from the Jews when you haven't died yet? How can there be salvation that hasn't happened yet? So what was he referring to? And I began to explore and try to get understanding of what Jesus was telling her. Because you worship what you do not No. The word no is used by Jesus in several unusual contexts. When he spoke about the ten virgins and the five that were foolish, when they came and wanted to be let in, he said, I don't know you. Not that you don't know me, I don't know you. In Matthew seven, when he, when that day, you'll say, "Didn't we cast out devils and heal the sick and and, and prophesy in your name?" And I'll say, "I don't know you, so there's no relationship." And it's been my biggest fear and anxiety in my life for my brethren to become disconnected from God, people that taste and get born again and meet the Lord and then during their life and even in the ministry, they do so much for the Lord or do so many things in ritual and behavior, but they become disconnected in the intimacy. It's my biggest anxiety in my life because the whole purpose of salvation was to connect you to God. And the devil will keep you so busy And so distracted that you don't spend time with God. And the evidence often is when people go through all kinds of crises. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Not a threat, not a warning, but rather a promise. If you are not keeping his commandments or struggling to do things that he asked you to do, it's a a sure sign that you don't love him or in the position where you used to love him. Your first love has waned. And so you should pursue the Lord, and I'm here to appeal to you to really, of all, above all else, to guard your heart. To take time every day, even just for a short time, to spend time with Him. You cannot spend time with Him at the gym, or on the road walking the dog, or whatever, on the car to to work. You've got to find a time that's just His. Where there's no possibility of distraction, even just for 20 minutes, 15 minutes even. But you've got to listen and talk to him. There's got to be a conversation and not a long prayer request, a long shopping list for God to do. But rather a time of intimacy that you listen to him and hear his voice. Because that's what you were Made for, that's what you were redeemed for, is to have an intimacy and a time and relationship with him. You are that important to God. Do you understand what I'm saying? And when you start to do that and make it a life's habit and way of life, you'll become so dependent and addicted to it, you won't be able to live without it. Please, let me emphasize that in your heart. If you are not born again, if you haven't taken that leap and t- jumped to get saved, and I've always found it so strange for people that, that look at this salvation, and I always tell them, what have you got to lose? If it's not real, <laughs> you have a wonderful way of life, and if, it's, if it is real and you don't do this, you, could, you lose everything. It is such an amazing salvation. Hebrews 2 says, how should we ever escape if we neglect such a great salvation? When I got born again at the age of 13 in the 60s, that's how old I am. (laughs) 60s sounds awful uh, to me. (laughs) John's laughing, but he looks like the Ancient of Days myself. (laughs) Bishop, I call him Bishop now. He's quite an amazing pastor. I don't know if you realize what you have here. Let me tell you the truth today. He he honors me because I stood with his family, but he was a great inspiration to me because of how he was treated in his own church and the years and the attitude, the godly attitude, and the response and the way he behaved was so exemplary and so Christ-like that it used to inspire me constantly. Whenever I felt frustrated and irritated, i just think of what John was going through and it would give me such courage. And here he sits today as a pastor. In my journey with the Lord, I've never, boy, that's an old picture. Nasty. (laughs) In my journey, I have found that God has never used anybody that He hadn't broken. And nobody sees the broken period; they only see the blessed period. They only see the place where they're fruitful and effective. They don't see the journey to get there. So, all I want you to do in the talk about honor, I want you to recognize. And if you're going to criticize your leadership, Take my advice, don't. Don't even discuss it with your husband or wife. Don't do don't put things out there you have to later deal with in the spirit, don't do it. Be wise, <laughs> that's why submission, submission only works when you don't agree. While you're agreeing, you're not submitting, you're agreeing. God requires us to submit, which means you might not like <laughs> what our president is doing, you might not like what the pastor is doing, but submissions required of you to submit to those in authority. And if you have a submissive, humble heart, you give God every chance to fix things. While He's trying to fix your attitude, you can't get to the others yet. Know your little pie still. If we stand at you, come to your little still board <laughs> <laughs> I could tell you that the bewaring that you can be free <laughs> Is it reg? Sinner praat nog die heilige taal. Niemand van my glo die, die die heidene hier nie wat of die Engelse, skus, die Engelse. Hulle <laughs> <laughs> glo my nie as ek sê hulle gaan eendag praat ses ons, want dit moet wees. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. So, please Fan into flame your time. Make time. Make time every day to spend with the Lord alone. And 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 do not leave that place until you've heard from him, that he spoke to you. Once you get used to that, you start to fan that relationship, it becomes a vital life link for you. And it begins to reflect in your life. If you're reflecting and leaking bad stuff, it means you're disconnected. You need to get back connected. Don't be that vine, that branch that didn't maintain, didn't stay connected to him. You've got to remain in him. Are you with me still? Now, I began to explore what made Israel so different to, Sam- to the Samaritans. Well, Israel's salvation came through Israel, and their journey was a very strange, complicated, from the very beginning. Uh, if, you must, if you understand how Israel was born and birthed by God, it didn't evolve as a tribe or a group of people or a religion. It had to go through a crisis in the very beginning. They had to be 400 years slaves. When Abraham had not even impregnated his wife, God gives him a prophecy in Genesis 15, and he tells him, bring me a cow, bring me a la- lamb, and bring me a bird. And then he waits all day for, this, for the Lord to consume this. And that, in that night, God speaks to him. And it's in, John, I mean, in Genesis 15, verse 12. He says, no for sure. No for certain that your descendants will be slaves for 400 years. He's not even got a child, his wife's not even pregnant, and already his kids are in trouble. (laughs) I don't know if I would follow after that journey if I knew my kids were gonna be slaves. Why they couldn't be slaves for 10 years, why 400 years? What a terrible thing. It took that long to birth 600,000 people as a nation that were united under God, one people, a nation to be born. And so that nation came and it was one war and fight after another. And that's why salvation came from the Jews because they had to learn to know God through one difficulty after another. And that's why I'm telling you today because in your life, when you receive received salvation, people may have told you it's a bit of roses, but you found out you had so many challenges and every time, this time, now that you're born again, you could go to God with your challenges. And you learned to know him in the storms. You learned to, and storms will come. Jesus said that the man who builds his house on the rock and will weather the storm and build the man who builds his house on the sand, because storms are going to come. You can name, frame, ball, squall, scream, shout, confess scriptures, storms are going to come. To everyone. And so in your life, when you are a born-again believer and have a relationship with the Lord, you can go to Him and you can see His salvation. You can see, and that's what draws you closer to Him. You have seen Him in the small things and the big things. You see the hand of God move in your life because there's no way of explaining how that actually came about. You see God answer your prayers and that's how you begin to know him and how that salvation came from the Jews because they stuck to him. All the years, it's the only language on the planet that hasn't changed. You try and imagine this people being scattered for 2,000 years from 70 AD to 1948. There are people all over the world, and nothing gets lost. They come back together still to serve the living God. And you are joint heirs. It's your heritage it's your, You have more of a heritage with that, the Jewish race that served God, than you do with being South African or being Zulu or being Afrikaans or being Portuguese. Whatever you are, your real heritage, when you give your heart to Jesus, you are joint heirs with this faith. Do you understand what I'm telling you? And this is your heritage. And so you, you know that God. Jesus said salvation is from the Jews. And you worship Him, the mighty God, with truth. And life because you know what God has done. You know in your life when you saw God move and you come to church and you're full of zeal to worship God because you know God made a way for you. You know it wasn't just coincidence. You saw the... so bubbling over testimonies, what God did, because you know it was just too coincidental to be the acts of man, and that's the thrilling part, and how you learn to know God. It's a journey, and so that's what made them different to Samaritans. They'd never walked and tasted those terrible things that they had to go through. Do you understand? We have in our in our festivities of Passover in the Jewish faith, we have uh, the, we have a, the Passover, we have the the bread and the wine, we do a whole ceremony, but there's also hips of some of these bad, bitter herbs that we consume because to remember how bitter life was without God helping us. And there are different things that to help remind us and keep us reminded because we all quickly need to forget what God has done. And while we keep reminding ourselves, we remember that God brought us through the Red Sea. We remember God. And you start reminding yourself when you start whining, complaining about the power of the load shedding. And while I'm on that topic, <laughs> you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. I don't know if you understand that he's conferred on you. Authority, kingdom, it's up to you to start praying. We don't have to have load shedding. You can control it. You can control all the utilities by prayer. Instead of whining, complaining, instead of doing that, come together and start praying. Believe in God. He's the solution maker. He has the most amazing ways of doing things, but He's still waiting for you to pray. In the last year and a half, I've had the most phenomenal experience with God. He For the first time in my life, it hasn't, I, didn't, I didn't make it happen. I didn't ask for it. He has come to visit me at night time. He'll wake me up and start talking to me. And he, at the very first time he did that, about a year and a half ago, he said to me, I must ask him a question. And I could not think of anything to ask. I just couldn't. And so I wrote down a lot of questions after that, waiting for the next time he might do that. <laughs> and through this journey, I it was one time I asked him, He said, I've got a question. And I said, I would like to understand why we have to pray. If you already have a plan and have a destiny, why must I pray? Why is my prayer so important? And so he said, because I gave you authority. I gave you dominion. And you have to participate in the plan. I'm waiting for you to pray so I can turn my ministering angels loose and get those those things done. You have to participate. But I'm praying in tongues all the time, I tell him. He says, no, that's not you praying. That's the Holy Spirit praying through you. I need you to pray. But I can't pray. Then I'll be praying wrong, I said. I'll be praying witchcraft because I'll be praying what I think. He says, yes, if you're not in the Spirit, you'll pray natural things. That's why you pray in the Spirit first for a while until you become harmonized with me. And then you begin to know my heart and begin to pray my prayers. And when you do that with your language, you participate in my plan. And we start to work together and accomplish the plans that I have. You're very important in your prayer life. I cannot begin to tell you how important is prayer. Right now on Fridays at five o'clock, I, I have a live thing on Facebook where I pray. I was praying for COVID, we're praying for uh, the Europe and the, and the wars there, but I'm also praying very uh, seriously for revival. And it, my delight and joy of this wonderful Lexington area in Kentucky. I was just there a few weeks ago, ministering in a church there, that there is a revival broken loose. It, it, it thrills my soul. Because Because I know unless the Holy Ghost moves, we that labor are laboring in vain. We need the Holy Ghost. And if there's one thing this church has a heritage of, for decades, this church, this history way back with Pastor Ed, always turned the Holy Ghost loose, took the chance. We've had people literally climbing on top of the chairs that come from America that preached. Lonnie Fris, remember him? With the this stranger, but the Holy Ghost, the pastor always wanted the Holy Ghost to move, and he did. We need the Holy Spirit, so I'm believing God for that again. In fact, I'm believing God for the first dumping to be right here in this church, in this nation. And I believe it's going to be here because he's welcome here. The program's not more important than him. The program's not more important than him. The program's not more important than the Holy Spirit. Thank you.